breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. And on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline this morning, uh, Cattle Parish Commissioner John Atkins joining us. John, good morning. Thanks for taking time to talk with us. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Aaron. It's a pleasure to be with you all this morning. Cattle Commission's proposed um, a measure that would purchase air conditioning units for some residents. First, tell us how this came about. Well, Commissioner Stormy Gage Watts proposed it proposed this legislation in yesterday's work session. The uh, initial legislation uh, proposed that we provide $200,000 in funding to acquire air air conditioning units for those in need. Over the course of the discussion of the matter, um, that legislation was further defined, particularly by Stephen Jackson, Commissioner Jackson, to ensure that it was limited to individuals that actually own their home, not, not rental units, but, but homeowners and those that have a, that, that are low income, uh, elderly, or facing other health challenges. So it was a little bit further defined. And, and it would uh, be $200,000 so spent? $200,000 is what the legislation proposed. Now, it has not yet passed, Aaron. It's, uh, it was forwarded to the final work session to be considered on Thursday by a six to five vote. It takes six votes to forward something to a final to a final agenda. It, will, it would actually take seven to actually pass it. So, you know, it's yet to be seen whether this legislation will pass or not. Do you expect it to pass? If if all if all commissioners were at the table, it's likely that it would pass. And what are your thoughts on this, John? Are you are well, you for you passing know, this? I voted. I voted against forwarding it to the final agenda. You know, the legislation is well intended, and Stormy Gage Watt certainly um, is well intended in, in her legislation. Uh, but you know, to me, it's not really—it's not the role of government to provide air conditioning units to, to private homeowners. It just—you uh, know—I'm a small government kind of guy, uh, so it just doesn't feel right to me. But but I certainly can understand how others would feel differently about it. And, uh, you know, some people view government as being there to try to solve all problems. Um, I don't think government is capable of solving all problems, and therefore I'm more of a limited government kind of guy. But, you know, it's just different different perspectives on government and, and what the role of government should be. Now, will this have to lay over for two weeks, or could you all fin- give it final passage on Thursday? I think the final passage would be on Thursday. I don't. Well, shoot, Aaron. You know, we'll double check on that. My other, my my other question to you is: Who administers it? Have we set that that in that motion in place? Um, I mean, and and how is the application process going to work? I mean, it's going to be October before this gets up and going. Right. All all those details are yet to be worked through. Administration typically works through those, and we usually use a, a third party nonprofit. To administer programs of this nature, like the Providence House has helped us on a lot of the cleanup, um, cleanup funding, 
Catholic Charities has helped us on some other other initiatives. So uh, we'll have to find someone to help implement the program, and we'll have to further define the exact criteria required for the program. Um, the administrator, the new administrator, parish administrator Erica Bryant, estimated that it might it might take a month to get that worked out. So, you know, we're almost in September by the time things uh, will be finalized, and you know, it's still hot for much of the month of September, but. That's another concern I have is by the time we get things up and running, the the real most dangerous portion of summer will likely have passed. If if we agree that maybe we should buy air conditioners, I mean, we're buying ring cameras now, we're doing other things like that. Why not mm-hmm. pump the brakes and let's do the work? Let's go, you know, between now and next summer, perhaps, roll the program out correctly without kind of rushing it through. It seems like we're rushing it now and... That's when that's when things go wrong. That sounds like your proposal sounds like a great idea, Aaron. You know, let's, let's get this right and uh, and do it right next summer. Uh, start, you know, if we're going to do it, let's do it right and let's delay and get this right and start next next May. Uh, I certainly could be more supportive of that than I am this current proposal that we're trying to trying to get through this summer but what would make it right what would be different if you waited to roll it out well you could you could make sure that you have your administration process uh ironed out um make sure you have the the eligibility requirements ironed out just some of those details i mean the parish does a good job of working through those things Mm -hmm. It, it will likely be fine but to aaron's point um it does feel a little rushed but then you've got to look okay now um, if these people are economically depressed, are they going to be able to afford the electric bill? Because this is going to jack up their electric bill. They're going to be running this probably on high. Is the commission going to start paying electric bills to afford these air conditioners? Yeah, I want you to do that. <laughs> there you go. It, it's just, uh, you know, it's these things, like, I mean, like many government initiatives, uh, they, they snowball into something uh, greater more than they're originally intended to be. I uh, certainly, you know, I've, I've, I've not voted in favor of providing the funding for the unit. So I'm certainly not going to be in favor of, of providing funding for the electricity to, uh, to power the unit. Um, again, this is the reason why, why I think government should stick to its lanes and stick to the, the core roles of government. Here's my big question about this. And we're talking to John Atkins, Caddo Commissioner. You fund $200,000 worth of units now. Government never gets smaller, John. Hmm. Government only gets bigger. So are we going to fund $400,000 worth of units next year? And, and, and there's always that issue of, well, gosh, you funded my neighbor. Why won't you fund me? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, that's not – and, and it's tr- it truly is part of my concern with, with the system – I mean, where does it all stop? And how do you decide who is funded and who is not funded? I mean, we'll have criteria for the, for those things, but where do you draw the lines? And, and does, the, does the line expand over time? And then are your constituents so, um, going to be calling you and going, John, get me on the list. How do you get me on the list? Help bump my name right. up. I mean, y'all are going to deal with right. all that. Right. That's all. That would all be part of it. Oh. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've had... I had um, citizens call expressing um, their their feeling of, of unfairness that uh, a neighbor received funding for repair of, of a storm-damaged roof, but uh, they had had an accident in their vehicle and felt like they should get some funding to prepare, 
to repair the, 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 the damaged vehicle. Um, so, yeah, it, it gets... But see, that, yeah, that's the dangerous tightrope you're you're starting to walk without mm-hmm. a without a pole. <laughs> yeah, remember remember though, Mike. I, you know, you said that I'm starting to walk. I'm trying not to walk that <laughs> well, tightrope. Right. But, when I uh, say you, I mean yeah. Yeah, you mean the body, the body. Right. Exactly. And yes, John, sir. let me yeah. let me let me pass this on to you. And you can tell your your co commissioners if you want. When when you're talking to me about paying two hundred thousand dollars for air conditioner, and then a year or two down the road you want to come to get me to pass money, a bond issue to pay for roads or infrastructure or something like that, I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna you spent two hundred thousand on air conditioners. Use my money wiser. I mean, it makes well, the it makes the rest of us who won't benefit from this go. I'm not giving you any more money. You're not handling it correctly. I understand that concern, uh, but let me do let me provide you with some comfort there. That when we do a, a millage, when we do you know when we raise a millage and collect uh, taxes through a millage, it's very clearly defined what that money can be used for and mm-hmm. what it and it can't be used for anything other than what it's defined as being raised for, like. A millage for roads is, is confined to, to roads. Uh, a millage for juvenile justice is confined to juvenile justice. But some the money that we're referring to here uh, would, would come out of the oil and gas fund. Those are monies that uh, are collected through royalties on parish-owned properties. Uh, so it's not it's not tax money per se. Now, in right. my view, it's all taxpayer money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but in this particular case, it's not defined but through a millage so it, it's kind of a it can be used for for other purposes so a lot of the a lot of the you know non-profit support that the parish does is funded through oil and gas money which which isn't confined by the by the millage terms john atkins county parish commission john you me ron swanson we're all on the same page mm-hmm. with this i appreciate your your efforts you bet i'm glad to be helped thanks y'all let me know if i can be helpful in the, in the future you bet thanks. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel. Mike and McCarty. I'm so sorry. This could have waited. I sent a you up again. <laughs> I couldn't. No, I, at six o'clock, I thought, oh, I'll wait a little while. I waited till six twenty four. Well, I'm then sorry. he ought to be grateful. Yeah. Okay. Maybe his wife. I don't know. <laughs> I got some I, news about Minden, by the way. Oh, uh, when they're going to turn out the power? Um, everybody was waiting to find out when are they going to do it. When are they going to do it? They had their big. Um, confab yesterday uh, what's a confab a meeting and they had a confab and they um they decided they're going to turn off the juice to the town of minden um tomorrow night at 10 p.m so thursday night 10 p.m looks like it's going to last about four to six hours and then entergy can make a they're going to make a bypass around the area where they have to do the repairs so they're going to while they're doing the bypass they'll have to turn the whole town off God, turn a whole town off. Doesn't that sound crazy? That turn seems a, whole a little town drastic. Off. Wow. Unreal. And then uh, four to six hours later, we'll be back on. So it won't be during the heat of the day. Um, it won't it, be during, you know. It seems like they could, I mean, reroute something else and keep the, 
you know, I, I just don't know. They have to. They have to reroute. Pa- Apparently, this Gillark substation is, you know, the the Minden's sole entry into the power grid. And how so scary gotta, is that? By yeah, the way, yeah, you might want to make we a change there. We are so there. vulnerable with our oh, power grids. Yeah, it, it is frightening, and so they're. They'll be working on that. They're getting uh, Intergy is getting all the equipment in today that they need to do this bypass, and they should have it all in today and be ready to do the work tomorrow night. Um, and they want residents. If you hear anything different, you know people have been saying, "Oh, they're going to do it at noon." Or they're going to no. It's the the town. The mayor Nick Cox has officially said it's going to happen beginning at ten o'clock Thursday night, and the projected time frame is four to six hours. So. We will see. We will see. <laughs> it's like you know, we're it's twenty twenty three. Mm-hmm. I, I can I can video my you know my son who's two thousand miles away or getting closer now. But, right. But the doctor still has to check my prostate with his <laughs> finger. You know, come on. Oh, there's got to be. We, I didn't need that visual. We, Stop. We, we've got to be making advances better. I mean, come on. <laughs> Mayor Tom Arsenault going to uh, join us coming up at... Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault going to join us coming up just after the break. We have a plethora of uh, topics to cover, including we got, uh, I got the debris pickup done earlier this week. Look, we'll, uh, we'll see when may, you might get yours. Mike and McCarty, 101. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. On the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, honored to have Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault joining us. Tom, good morning. Thanks for uh, taking time to talk with us. Good morning. Glad to be here. Big big thing on everybody's mind right now is, of course, the heat. You uh, city has uh, uh, cooling centers that are open. Where are those, and 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 how can people avail themselves to the the cooling? Uh, basically, it's all of our rec centers uh, throughout the city, and they they have uh, set up special kind of lounging areas and uh, providing water uh, so that people can get uh, get out of the heat and get a, get a little bit of relief from the misery of it. Are they being used pretty regular by a lot of folks? You know, I don't I, I, I don't have any numbers on that, uh, Aaron. I, I uh, did not check on that before I got on the air this morning. I'm sorry. No problem. We know uh, you, a lot of workers, a lot of city workers work outside. Uh, trash collectors, the, you know, you've got to, uh, u- utility workers. I mean, all, all kinds. Are you having to adjust schedules to allow for this heat? We've adjusted schedules a little bit. I know all the SPAR folks are working an hour earlier, an hour earlier shift. Uh, and then... Uh, the in in public works they have kind of a Gatorade uh, brigade of people who are going around to make sure that people stay hydrated. We start with uh, uh, all those people start with a safety meeting and making sure that people are uh, hydrated when they come to work and that they stay hydrated during the day. Have you had any health issues with any workers that are outside? I believe we had we had one. Uh, we had one yesterday, uh, one heat-related uh, 
uh, worker who uh, who had to have a little treatment but was treated and released. Okay. The debris pickup, um, Mike's got picked up this week. Yeah, um, Monday. They they made it by our place. They're, on the, they're, they're wrapping up the first pass through the city here in the next couple of days, correct? They should, yeah. I mean, there was just there was a whole lot more uh, than than we thought. We we were estimating, um, and of course, you, you have no way. We don't count the trees, so <laughs> right? We had no way to we had no way really to estimate the whole thing, but uh, we were estimating about uh, about a hundred thousand cubic yards, and they've already picked up uh, probably one hundred thirty, one hundred forty thousand cubic yards of debris. So. Um, the main reason for the delay was just there was a whole lot more than they than we had anticipated that there was when they actually got out there. But uh, they should complete their first pass, and then they'll make then they'll make another pass through, and then we'll see where we are to see if they're going to make a third pass. And they have they have brought, hired local companies to help them too, right? You know, I don't know. That was that's all something that would have been under them, but I think they do have some local contractors. That was their intention, so I assume they have done that. If you've seen the equipment, the equipment is unique equipment that a lot of folks around here don't have. Yeah, the truck was a big, uh, high sided truck and trailer, and the guy was on the kind of a crane that that operated the arm that mm-hmm. moved. You know, would pick things up. It was pretty impressive. Well, you know, you you know who they are when you see them. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> it's not something you see around here very often. Mayor, I got something, uh, some information about the the city's reserve fund balance is way different than what we were told when uh, former Mayor Perkins left office. That he he claimed during the campaign he was leaving us with seventy plus million. And now you've spent forty million of it. We only have we only have thirty left or something. What have you been doing? <laughs> well, not quite that simple. <laughs> it's uh, as, as with most things, it's not quite that simple. Um, I think mostly it, it is an accounting situation. That's kind of a good news, bad news uh, situation. The the bad news is that uh, our external auditors determined that the ARP money, the uh, the rescue plan money was not, uh, you could not book it as revenue. It's a deferred item, and so you don't book it until you've actually spent it. So the bad news of that is it doesn't count toward the operating reserve. The good news is that there uh, there is um, uh, about $35 million in ARP money that we are able to spend, but we cannot spend that on general operating expenses. That's a, there are limitations on what we can spend. It has to be committed by the end of 2024. So you'll see budget items there, mostly one-time items, because obviously we don't. That money doesn't recur, and uh, and then that money actually has to be spent by 2026. So we'll have. We'll have the commitments to uh, to uh, satisfy those results. So we're well, hoping we're well, we're checking to see that we can do streets. There are some fire and police equipment and other needs and water and sewer needs that we can meet with that money. So it's not um, it was a blow because it gives us less flexibility. Uh, the good news is that you know the money is there. It's not like the money was lost. 
Well, we were told you said you said there's about thirty five million, but we were told there was over seventy million. So well, that they was, they were that including that AARP money in that reserve. Is that what they were doing? That's that's exactly right. Shouldn't that's somebody right. have and known I, you couldn't do that? You know, I I deal with the situation that I have in the future, and I don't worry too much about the past. I just have to deal with what the facts are today. Mayor, if now if you can use it for streets and and some some okay, things so like that, <laughs> um, that will free up some money in the budget that you would be spending on those things or would you be doing additional street things that's not where i thought you were going is that where you're headed well i think we will we will certainly be able to do some uh some streets i think our streets our anticipated streets budget was not going to be really big uh for next year because of some other commitments that had already been made uh and because we moved some of that money forward into this year to try and push some of those projects but what we will but we will be able to uh, probably do some more, probably commit some to water and sewer uh, because we have that huge consent decree out there that we're that we're struggling to get finished with. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have some firm recommendations. This changes our, the results of the, of the audit change kind of what our approach to the 2024 budget was going to be and that uh, we were probably going to uh, probably going to have a little bit of an of, of a uh, year by deficit to use part of that reserve which now we can't do so the actual operating budget will have to be a little tighter than we anticipated and we're working on those proposals that really is something that will come into this month, first part of September. Well, I think police and fire should be top priority. Uh, but, you know, what about like the... I know there was some maintenance work done because there were some issues with the water towers, but don't... At what point are those going to need to be just completely overhauled and redone? Well, we actually have grant money and funds. Uh, we're I'm in the process of, of approving those final plans, so those are all going to be repaired and repainted. Mayor, I, I'm, I'm going to question your sleep habits right now, just because I'm a little worried. Um, <laughs> how well are you sleeping at night knowing that we gave a 13% pay raise, and the, the clock is now ticking on that, now even more so now that what you've told us about affording that. Um, is, is that disturbing your sleep? Uh, I sleep pretty well. <laughs> are you con- are you concerned about continuing to pay for that pay raise? Well, that that is a uh, that that is of course a challenge because that was uh, that was done with the anticipation of of using one some one time monies for that, and so maintaining that and uh, will be a challenge. But I uh, look, we're up to this challenge. Uh, I have a, I have a great chief administrative officer who really is a budget whiz, and I am very confident that we're going to be able to come up with budgets. We have great department heads who are looking seriously at ways they can deliver services more efficiently, and I am very confident that we're going to be able to handle this moving forward with whatever challenges faces. You're not going to like me asking you this, but is the budget whiz? that put this AARP money in the reserve gone? Well, we did make some changes in personnel. <laughs> he's, he's a politician, isn't he? <laughs> he 
seen his first rodeo. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to request that audit because I want to take a look at the whole thing. I'm sure y'all will zap it right to me, huh? Yeah, actually, I have seen the results of the audit. I haven't seen the audit itself. I think it's now posted on the uh, legislative auditor's site. Yeah. And uh, as, soon, as soon as I physically have one, you certainly may have it, Aaron. All right, need some bathroom reading. Thank and you, it, Mayor. It, it, it will it will help you. It will it will help you sleep at night. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you. Help put you to sleep <laughs> is what you're saying, <laughs> <laughs> Mayor Tom. Thank you so much. Stay cool, please. I will. My pleasure. Thanks for having uh-huh. me. One hundred seven FM, seven ten Kio. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on one hundred one seven FM and seven ten Kiel. I have a picture. I think it's it's in one of our our photo albums. I'm laying on the couch, mm-hmm. and Casey, my son, is is laying on my chest. This is how little he was. Mm-hmm. And it was it was Saturday mornings, and and we were watching Pee Wee's Playhouse. Oh wow, wow! Used to be a little tradition. Mm. Ah, salesman. Playhouse. Oh my god! It was he was always a little odd. Obviously, he, he is strange. Yes, but uh, that was before we discovered other other things about him. But mm-hmm. um, I Paul Rubens passed away earlier this week. Aaron, the biggest surprise to me was he was seventy years old. Who, yes, Pee Wee was seventy years Unreal. old. Oh yeah, when Pee Wee's Playhouse was on, he was in his thirties. Yeah, yeah, I knew he yeah, was much like, older than that. Yeah. yeah, but but mm. he was so tiny, right? And uh, you know, I learned a lot about the whole Pee Wee Herman character after he died. Like I, I Wikipedia it because I I saw the announcement pretty early on, mm-hmm. like before the internet went nuts with it. So I had to go to Wikipedia to confirm it, and uh, I I learned that uh, the movie came out before the show. That confused me. Really? Pee-wee's Big Adventure came out before I Pee-wee's did Playhouse. I know that. Really? Yeah. Mm. Apparently, he became popular because he was doing a stage show as Pee-wee Herman in Los Angeles that got really popular. And then HBO came and filmed it and made a special. And from there, Tim Burton caught on to the special and decided to make Pee-wee's Big Adventure with him. So wow. the show was a result of the movie. I always thought it was the other way around. You just blew my mind. Yeah, I yeah. always thought it was the other way around. I did around. too. Yeah. Who knew? Golly. Not, not me until the other day. Mm. So, yeah, but it, you know, it's kind of sad news. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it, you know, it was a big part <gasps> of <gasps> Casey. How does he do? How's he do it? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> can't do it. Sad that I can. Yeah, it is sad that you can. It really is. <laughs> so many strange elements in that show. I know. Cowboy Curtis. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, 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 Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne yeah. before he was famous. <laughs> oh, You're right. I hadn't thought yeah. about that. Wow. So ridiculous. Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser going to be joining us coming up after the news. Top of the hour, Mike and McCarty. 101.7 FM, 710 Kilo.
1017 FM 710 Keel. Mike and McCarty and on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline this morning, Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser joining us. Good morning, Lieutenant Governor. Good morning, my friends. How you doing? We're doing very well. Just trying to stay cool. Grateful we have an indoor job. Speaking of indoor, uh, one of my favorite attractions that Louisiana features is the World War II Museum, formerly the D-Day Museum. That's a great way for people to uh, spend a day or two indoors. What are some other attractions Louisiana offers indoors? Well, you know, we have, uh, under my office, we have non state museums, but we also have 211 uh, total museums. And um, we just started on a venture. We bought the name LouisianaMuseums.com, and we're going around filming every museum in the state um, because we've got a lot of treasures that people don't know about. And they were given back, a lot of them from the Secretary of State's office to local government with no money to promote them over the years. So we're going to push these out through social media, where people, if you have an interest, like in the World War II Museum, then you'll know about the General Chenault Museum in North Louisiana. So there's great treasures in every corner of the state, and we're going to use those treasures to drive people for tourism in every community around the state. And this is a project that uh, is going to be ongoing, but uh, we're excited about it because uh, everywhere I go, um, there's great museums you know, uh, that these kids in, in school are going to start taking field trips. We're going to be pushing out to the schools. And uh, and so people know about all these hidden treasures in Louisiana. We, of course, here got Norton. We've got the aquarium, Cyport, the State Museum. A lot of folks that, you know, you can, you can still go and, and enjoy a good day and not be in the heat. I'm curious, Billy, if, excuse me, Lieutenant Governor, golly, it's... Call me Billy. I know. <laughs> I, I'm, wor- I'm wondering if this Louisiana heat does have an impact on our tourism a little bit. I mean, a lot of people don't want to go wander through the French Quarter or go out in the gardens of the American Rose Center when it's so darn hot. You got to worry about that a little bit, huh? We do. Uh, but I tell you, we've been watching the, the state parks is a good example. But we're still seeing record numbers at our state parks this summer. Um, the mountain bike trail at Bogachitta. Uh, we'll be cutting a ribbon there tomorrow with a new trail. Um, that place is is jam-packed every weekend. Um, we're still seeing people taking a horseback riding at that park. The cabins are filled up at all the parks, canoeing, fishing. So people, are, hopefully they're drinking a lot of water and they're, they're watching the heat, but they're still getting out and enjoying the parks. We've got several of those uh, water pads for kids to cool off. And, of course, several of our parks have beaches. So people can enjoy the water. So uh, it really hasn't affected uh, the parks at all. I'm sure the outdoor activities uh, have limited somewhat, but uh, we're still uh, we're climbing back out of this COVID. And I think this year uh, we may see another record in tourism in Louisiana. But if we'll be close to that 53 million plus we enjoyed in 2019, but if we don't break a record this year. Surely next year we will set another record for tourism. Mm-hmm. Talking with Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser. Billy, uh, we're gearing up for fall. Uh, kids going to be heading back to school, but uh, a lot of festivals going to be taking place. We've got the Red River Revel uh, going to be firing up here in October. Uh, one of our f- huge events, but there's uh, festivals all across the state for the fall, aren't there? Yeah, and I tell you, we don't give enough credit to those 
teams that put these festivals on. They don't get paid. They have a love and passion for their community, those fairs and festivals. And and we're, we've got a new plan to promote every one of them to make sure they all are very successful this year coming out of COVID. Um, they are a great tool in our toolbox. We're able to promote, especially when the airlines wasn't back 100%, the drive market of four or five states, every fair and festival, to make sure people know all these great things going on. A lot of states would love to have uh, 400 fairs and festivals to promote their state. We've got something going on in every corner of the state all the time, and that's a great tool in our toolbox that we use to get people to visit Louisiana. State fair here, you've got. I guess we have another state fair in um, Baton Rouge now, is is which is back. Um, are state fairs still growing? Uh, we we have issues here with ours a little bit, but are state fairs growing across the country? Have you? And I know I didn't put this on my list of things to talk about, but I'm curious if you have any info. No, I tell you, the the ones that have been established, like here in Louisiana, uh, Nashville, and some of the other ones. I don't see we haven't I haven't seen anyone adding uh, a state fair, but some of them have been a tradition for many years um, that have continued and continue to see good turnout. And, um, you know, it's taken a couple years for a lot of these things to come back to what they once were after COVID. But I really believe uh, the two here in Louisiana with a little promotion can can survive and do really well. And there again, it's another opportunity to bring people, especially in the drive market, in into those communities and spend money. I got a question for you uh, from a listener who wants to know, um, are, do you want to pursue placing all 211 museums under the lieutenant governor's office? No, what we want to do is we want the new secretary of state to put his museums under one uh, operation. And we want to end up with three boards. A, 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 a museum board in Shreveport, one in Baton Rouge, one in New Orleans. The people in New Orleans do not care about Shreveport. We need a board, and then I will give up control of the director. That local museum board in Shreveport will elect their own director, and they will, the ones under the Secretary of State and Lieutenant Governor, will be under that board in Shreveport. And all of the museums in that region will be supported um, uh, uh, marketing. And then we will also hope through the private-public partnership we're going to do at some of the museums, um, like a cafeteria and the Jazz Museum in New Orleans. We will generate funds that we can then support those local museums financially with some grants that are much needed because they don't get the funding they need. And, and we did a complete study uh, by an expert that's done this in other states. If we divide these three boards and we put the support group in place, all of these great museums can really prosper. They're great museums up in Shreveport. And, look, the Secretary of State's got to worry about elections. He doesn't put enough time and effort, and, and nor does he have the time for that museum to be the best it could be and get the funding they need. If we put it under one board of great North Louisiana people, let them hire their own director, I believe we can make them the best they can be and support all of the museums in North Louisiana and through this new site of promoting the museums, uh, we will drive, and I believe we can really make every museum uh, have record numbers of visitation uh, because target marketing people's interest, this thing will really uh, take off. It's been done in other states. We just got to follow things that work. And um, a lot of people don't like change, but I've talked to the museum people in Shreveport, 
the uh, Secretary of State was a little hesitant for the last couple of years to do it. We're going to see a new Secretary of State, and uh, I'm visiting with all of the people running to make sure they want to do what's best for the museums. Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser, thank you for your time, sir. We appreciate it. Y'all have a great week. Thank Take care. you. Mm-hmm. 101.7. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. You asked me an interesting question earlier this morning. Uh, We were talking, actually, I think before the show, Mm -hmm. the role, what is the role of government? Mm -hmm. In, in, what do you think is the role of government? Take care of our basic needs and for public safety. You know, our water, our streets, our infrastructure, um, police and fire, those kinds of things. Our basic and necessities. Providing public goods, services, right? Mm, yeah, kind of. I mean, like you say, police and fire. Mm-hmm. That, that provide for the safety, establish laws, right. establish order. Mm-hmm. That's the responsibility of the government. Yes. Okay. That's kind of what I believe, how I believe. And, and the federal government is to protect its citizens. That's its first role, is to protect the citizens of our country. Okay. Don't you agree? I'm not sure if, it's pro- if pro- protect is the word. Um, I, I don't From know. all threats, foreign and domestic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you're right. Maybe I mean, you're if, right. If we're not safe, if if we're not protected, then we've got nothing. Yeah, and and so when you say keep us safe, so government should keep us safe. Okay. Did we yes. stretch it to that? Well, can we stretch it to that? Keep us protect safe. Protect our safety. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. So when I'm not safe, government should help. If you are under threat, to keep you from being under a threat, mm-hmm. the, the, the government's role as in a police department. Sure, sure. You know, I can't just come up to you and go, hey, and start wailing on you. Because mm-hmm. I'm, t- I'm, I'm torn. The, the reason we bring this up is because I'm really torn about the parish government providing air conditioners. Um, is that the role of government? And some would say no, no. Some would say it's yes. Not the role of government because it for for those people it might be keeping them safe. They might not be safe without air conditioning right now in this desperate heat. So there's a there are two. But two the government people. provides centers. The government does provide opportunities mm-hmm. for somebody to get out of the heat. The government has been doing that. They're, They're not know, the open city all night. Provides cooling centers. They're not open overnight. Um, you have to go back to your home where it's eighty-five degrees, perhaps in your home. I'm torn about this. I really am. I, I part of my part of my problem is I want to help those who can't do for themselves. Then establish a foundation or work let, with a then, private Then let trust nonprofits work, do it. That's non, where that's, right. that's kind of where I am. If you want to give the money to nonprofits and let them administer the program and and say, hey, this is how we want this program to, to run, 
and you guys handle it. We wash our hands of it. We've given you the 200000 Y'all take care of it. Is that what the parish commission is doing, or will the parish commissioner still be involved in people going to call me to get on the list to get an air conditioner? Who's going to track the air conditioners when they break down and somebody wants a new one, or if somebody perhaps, God forbid, decides they're going to sell it? you know, Or pawn it. Or pawn it, or right. give it to their grandma or whoever. I mean, are we going to be then policing air conditioners? Is the government going to be in the business of policing air conditioners? Because and do we want to do that? You made a statement yesterday saying, you know, okay, the County Parish Commission is going to go, okay, we're going to propose a bond issue now for X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And, you're, and you said, wait a minute, you just spent $200,000 on air conditioning for private homes. And you could have used that $200,000 for what you're asking me Right. to vote on exactly and i know that money is in a different fund right now but you could use that money in a fund for roads if you're going to come to me for roads or if you're going to come to me for parks or whatever so I, I i really hazard to to say this is a good idea i know it's a bad idea now when you're just jumping on the train you know it, the air conditioners won't be out in the public's hands until at, at the end of September. I mean, we're, yeah, right. We're already in August. It's just you, you're doing this too late. You're too late to the party. Now. Yeah. Um, you need to back up, regroup, and replan for next year, and have a have a nonprofit in place that will administer it and and do some sort of tracking or some sort of you know make sure that these go to the people that need them most and that will use them. And they won't, and the system won't be abused. Yeah, but even then. I know, I know. Dr. Lamar Gorey, Cato Parish School Superintendent, joining us coming up at 7.40. Back to the big stories of the day with Mike and McCarty on 101.7 FM and 710 Kiel. Cato Superintendent Lamar Gorey, Dr. Lamar Gorey, going to be joining us coming up just after the break. Back to school. It's already here. That's next, Mike and McCarty. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. And on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, Dr. Lamar Gorey joining us this morning, Cato Parish School Superintendent. Dr. Gorey, thank you for your time. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Always my pleasure to talk to you guys and come in and visit about the wonderful things happening in our school system. We appreciate your availability. I can't believe, though, we're saying school gets underway in a week, and it's the first, second day of August. First, second day of August, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. So uh, what are, what are we looking forward to with uh, teachers heading back on Monday? Right. We'll welcome all of our teachers back on Monday uh, so that they can begin to prepare for a, a big Wednesday where we'll welcome back, you know, all of our babies. Looking for about 35,000 uh, students to enter our halls, uh, eager and ready to have a successful school year. It's going to be very hot, so encouraging parents to hydrate those babies and get them uh, ready to have a wonderful day. Are all our buses air-conditioned now or no? Not yet. Right. We do have a fully air-conditioned fleet of buses. Uh, what I would commit to is uh, telling parents we're hoping that it's all working on the first day of school. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be really warm. In fact, we're, we're praying that we do get some type of uh, some a little bit of relief because, as you know, uh, we began to uh, cool our schools and really checking our buses out. But when you 
start running everything at full throttle. Uh, and when we're doing that, especially uh, with every, you know, everything that first day, that first week, you're going to have some systems to go down. So we do ask everyone to please be patient with us as we go through that process. Challenges that you're facing as we head into this school year. What are some of the struggles right now? You know, as we go into the school year, we're really just really focusing our attention around how do we, again, continue that whole recovery from what we experienced during the pandemic. Uh, We feel so very good about academic progress, you know, that will will be reported today by the state superintendent as to how we're uh, recapturing some of that lost learning, but just continue to recapture that lost learning. But in our parish this year, we're really focusing our attention too on encouraging our children to dream and dream big and utilize those dreams that they have to really help them to capture learning and, and focus their learning on how do they utilize that learning to, to reach their full potential and, and to achieve those dreams and those goals that they, they set for themselves. We know Dr. Cade Brumley is going to be releasing those LEAP scores at 10 o'clock this morning. What do you hope to see for Caddo Parish? Right. We're very excited about opportunities and, that we've received from the test data. Uh, we, we're very excited about some of the growth and, and things that, that, that will be released today. Uh, you know, we've had sneak peeks at some of the data, so uh, we think that there are some things that uh, will vote very well to the hard work of our amazing teachers and administrators. And again, uh, is there room to grow? Absolutely. But it's way more things to be excited about. Uh, so really looking forward to utilizing that, of course, as a as a, as a roadmap as to what we do as we move forward, but really looking forward to, to celebrating the incredible work of our, our families uh, and our school families and our children. Uh, and again, utilizing that to continue to help kids dream big. Let me ask you this, Dr. Gorey. We're talking to Dr. Lamar Gorey, Caddo Superintendent. Um, saw a number, and I don't know if it's true or not, so I'm going to ask the, go right to the man. 20% of Caddo teachers not certified. Um, is that accurate, close? So what, what you saw in that number is that it, it, it is accurate to an extent, not accurate to an extent. What you see there is that there are several alternative methods by which the state allows teachers to have authority to teach. Now, in that respect, those people are fully, well, they're not fully certified. They're not complete with the process, but they're going through the certification process. But again, everyone that's in front of children in our schools are going through full evaluation processes and are doing wonderful jobs in that respect, or we have removed them from being in front of children. And that is evident from the data that will be released today by the state superintendent. We're very comfortable with the people that we've placed in front of our children in our school system. In fact, this year, we're seeing incredible numbers with P- as far as placing teachers in front of our, in front of our children versus having um, persons uh, that would be long, considered long-term subs in front of our teachers. So people that have gone through a state program uh, that is giving them the authority to serve as a teacher in the classroom. And there are several programs that the state has authorized. And, and one thing I'll tell you for a fact, if you look at colleges and universities, number of the people that are going into education are just down. So we as a society, especially in urban communities, which is very different from a suburban situation, we're going to have to be very creative with finding ways to uh, to certify and to get get teachers in front of our babies. So uh, I do I do applaud our state and you know our state superintendent is very committed to coming up with a unique programs so that we can get people who are degreed in front of our children and, and that's what we're taking advantage of. Dr. Lamar Gorey, speaking of. Um how far down are you on staffing issues as far as we're teachers? Doing, we're doing great. In fact, um, 
so impressed with our numbers this year. Uh, you know, we don't have final numbers in yet, but we'll be able to report to you probably by early September, probably some of the lowest vacancy rates that we've seen uh, pre-COVID. So, and again, you remember coming oh, into COVID, we were mm-hmm. terrified with numbers of um, situations where we had children uh, that did not have teachers uh, in front of them. But again, we, the, we're seeing some of the best numbers that we've seen in a while. And again, really commend our HR team under the leadership of Chief Wolfolk uh, and, and her team and the work that they've done this year to get uh, certified teachers and uh, people who are in approved programs by the state in front of our children. Dr. Gorey, let me ask you another question with regard to that $2,000, uh, not a pay raise that the state lawmakers approved, but kind of a, a one-time stipend. When will Caddo teachers be getting that? So the state has not really told us when, but we're working towards, um, you know, giving that to teachers as a one-time payout. Uh, you know, we're talking, I have a plan, it could be as early as September, just based on waiting on some additional information from the state. Uh, so um, we're just working on a plan, and that could be as early as, like I said, as, as September. We have a plan for September if we get just waiting on some additional information from the state. And again, we're really excited about that, you know. Um, and we are also excited, really excited that we're going to, you know, we've um, made possible that we're going to also give our teachers and uh, some additional dollars that we've had because of revenue advantages that we've had in, in the recent years. So, again, always looking for opportunities to pay it forward to our teachers because we do know how hard they are working. You know, one thing, too, I'd like to point out, too, when we talk about the 20 percent of our teachers that are not certified, of that 20, 18 percent, I mentioned this, about that percent that are in approved programs, 18% of those are working on teacher certification okay. programs. So okay. really, we're, we're in a good place in that respect, too. Dr. Gorey, we know for a child to, to truly be successful as a student in school, in their education, uh, it takes more than just good teachers. It takes parental involvement. What would Absolutely. you say... What would you say to parents as as we're gearing up to get back to school? Uh, what can they do and what can a parent do to help their students' teachers? And, and let me appreciate that. And one thing that we're, we're stressing, even as I talk about this idea, this concept around big dreams, uh, you know, I think we all have to own our part in this. I think as a, as a school system, we certainly have to own our part. I think as a community, we have to own our part. I think as a family, we have to own our part. And I think not until we all execute at our fullest, our fullest potential will our children achieve at their fullest level. In that respect, I do ask families to own your part, uh, to make sure that you're doing everything you can to support the school, making sure you're doing everything you can to support your child, to make sure you're doing everything you can to ensure that we are feeding them, we're nourishing them, we're supporting them, we're helping with homework, we're being involved at the school, just everyone being engaged at their fullest potential. And that's when I think we're going to see our children achieve their biggest dreams and that that's what our goal is for every child in our system as we move through this year dr lamar gory caterpillar school superintendent thank you for your time this morning and uh good luck thank you so much look forward to talking to you guys again soon take care 1017 let's get back to the show with mike and mccarty on 1017 fm and 710 keel So I get my mail the other day, come by the house, mm-hmm. big envelope from my auto insurance carrier. Aaron, I had to call them and go, is this a mistake? I got State Farm. Oh, man. Holy 
crapola. Yeah. I was actually I was actually shocked at we don't have a car. Well, I, I take that back. We just bought a new car. Now that one I can understand. It's going to be high. But like my truck, it's it's 10, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. I've got two forerunners, and the newest is a two like a two thousand twelve. Jeez. And the rates have just skyrocketing. And and I remember we did talk with uh, Jim Donlin, Louisiana State Insurance Commissioner. He sat right in that chair next mm-hmm. to you and said, "It's coming, it's coming." Mm-hmm. And I was kind of half paying attention because I'm thinking, "Okay, what? We're 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 sixty, you know? I mean, yeah, we're, we're we would be considered." A desirable client, I would think. Oh, no. They're going to start raising ours now because there's a new law in Louisiana that at age 65, they can no longer increase your rates based on your age. So, you know, after 65, maybe your driving skills do decline a little bit. Well, they cannot increase the rates because of that. So between 55 and 65, you're going to start seeing your rates go up a lot. So they can make up for after sixty five. Well, I can tell you this: I'm I'm now shopping. Oh, I'm doing the same. I'm, I'm doing absolutely the same. shopping. And I wasn't with State Farm, to be honest with you. I had another company, but I actually called my State Farm agent who handles my home, and I said, "Can you price this for me?" And they've been working on it, but I don't think they're going to be able to match what I'm doing now with their rate increase. I'm sure they won't. So. I'm going to have to find somebody else. Somebody, insurance agent out there listening, we need some decent rates. <laughs> yeah. Car rates. We don't, re- well, I hit deer, but that's all I hit. Oh, and I hit Christmas trees. That's all I hit. Deer and Christmas trees. Huh? I don't hit anything wait, else. Wait, There's a story there. Yeah, yeah. Ask my friends at Yoakum. In, in December or February or January, I hit a Christmas tree. How did you hit a Christmas tree? Well, it was in the middle of Did the interstate. It fall off? Oh, okay. It was in the middle of the interstate. It, well, no, that's that's yeah, that's the different. The lights were not on on the interstate. FYI, <laughs> hit a Christmas tree, damaged the car. Two months before that, I think in December, late December, or early December, I hit a deer coming yeah. back from the train station in Marshall. I clipped a yep. deer. Yep. About thirty five hundred damage both times. I take it to Yoakum. And you know what the smart Alec guy there in the body shop said? He goes, look, Aaron, Easter's coming up. Will you please watch out for the Easter bunny? <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Yoakum. I didn't hit Easter bunny yet, knock on wood. So we need some auto insurance And don't rates. hit yeah. Santa. I'm pleading. Oh, yeah, Santa. That would have been a deal breaker. I'm, I'm Ubering after that. If I hit Santa, it's Uber for me. Oh Lord! Yeah, I was just kind of, I was just like, oh, I wish, I wish I'd listened more closely when uh, when Jim Donnellan was in studio with us. But what can the can the insurance commissioner actually do anything? Not really. Not, Not really. really. They've yeah. already approved the increase, and it's on the way. Mike and McCarty, one hundred one seven. the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Honored to have Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault joining us. Tom, good morning. Thanks for uh, taking time to talk with us. Good morning. Glad to be here. Big big thing on everybody's mind right now is, of course, the heat. You uh, city has uh, 
uh, cooling centers that are open. Where are those, and 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 how can people avail themselves to the the cooling? Uh, basically, it's all of our rec centers uh, throughout the city, and they they have uh, set up special kind of lounging areas and uh, providing water uh, so that people can get uh, get out of the heat and get a, get a little bit of relief from the misery of it. Are they being used pretty regular by a lot of folks? You know, I don't I, I, I don't have any numbers on that, uh, Aaron. I, I uh, did not check on that before I got on the air this morning. I'm sorry. No problem. We know uh, you, a lot of workers, a lot of city workers work outside, uh, trash collectors, uh, you know, you've got uh, uh, utility workers, I mean, all, all kinds. Are you having to adjust schedules to allow for this heat? We've adjusted schedules a little bit. I know all the SPAR folks are working an hour earlier, an hour earlier shift. Uh, and then uh, the in, in public works, they have kind of a Gatorade uh, brigade of people who are going around to make sure that people stay hydrated. We start with uh, uh, all those people start with a safety meeting and making sure that people are uh, hydrated when they come to work and that they stay hydrated during the day. Have you had any health issues with any workers that are outside? I believe we had we had one uh, we had one yesterday uh, one heat related. Uh, uh, worker who uh, who had to have a little treatment but was treated and released. Okay. The debris pickup, um, Mike's got picked up this week. Yeah, um, Monday. They they made it by our place. They're, on the, they're, they're wrapping up the first pass through the city here in the next couple of days, correct? They should, yeah. I mean, there was just, there was a whole lot more uh, than than we thought. We, we were estimating, um, and of course, you have no way. We don't count the trees. So right. We had, no way to, we had no way really to estimate the whole thing, but uh, we were estimating about uh, about 100,000 cubic yards, and they've already picked up uh, probably 130,000, 140,000 cubic yards of debris. So um, the main reason for the delay was just there was a whole lot more than they than we had anticipated that there was when they actually got out there, but uh, they should complete their first pass, and then they'll make then they'll make another pass through, and then we'll see where we are to see if they're going to make a third pass. And they have they have brought, hired local companies to help them too, right? You know, I don't know. That was that's all something would have been under them, but I think they do have some local contractors. That was their intention, so I assume they have done that. If you've seen the equipment, the equipment is unique equipment that a lot of folks around here don't have. Yeah, the truck was a big, uh, high-sided truck and trailer, and the guy was on the kind of a crane that that operated the arm that mm-hmm. moved. You know, would pick things up. It was pretty impressive. Well, you know, you you know who they are when you see them. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> it's not something you see around here very often. Mayor, I got something, uh, some information about the the city's reserve fund balance is way different than what we were told when uh, former Mayor Perkins left office, that he he claimed during the campaign he was leaving us with 70-plus million, and now you've spent 40 million of it? We only have we only have 30 left or something? What have you been doing? <laughs> well, it's not quite that simple. It's, uh, as, as with most things, it's not quite that simple. Um, 
I think mostly it, it is an accounting situation that's kind of a good news, bad news uh, situation. The, the bad news is that uh, our external auditors determined that the ARP money, the, uh, the rescue plan money, was not uh, – you could not book it as revenue. On, it, it's a deferred item, and so you don't book it until you've actually spent it. So the bad news of that is it doesn't count toward the operating reserve. The good news is that there uh, there is um, uh, about $35 million in ARP money that we are able to spend, but we cannot spend that on general operating expenses. That's a, there are limitations on what we can spend. It has to be committed by the end of 2024, so you'll see budget items there mostly one-time items because obviously we don't that money doesn't recur and uh and then that money actually has to be spent by 2026 so we'll have we'll have the commitments to uh to uh, satisfy those results so we're hoping we're, we're checking to see that we can do streets there are some fire and police equipment and other needs and water and sewer needs that we can meet with that money. So it's not, um, it was a blow because it gives us less flexibility. Uh, the good news is that, you know, the money is there. It's not like the money was lost. Well, we were told, you, you, said, you said there's about $35 million, but we were told there was over $70 million. So well, that they, was, they were that including was, that AARP money in that reserve. Is that what they were doing? That's, that's exactly right. Shouldn't that's somebody right. have I, known you couldn't do that? You know, I I deal with the situation that I have in the future, and I don't worry too much about the past. I just have to deal with what the facts are today. Mayor, if now if you can use it for streets and and some, okay, some things so, like that, <laughs> um, that will free up some money in the budget that you would be spending on those things, or would you be doing additional street things? That's not where I thought you were going. Is that where you're headed? Well, I think we will. We will certainly be able to do some uh, some streets. I think our streets, our anticipated streets budget, was not going to be really big uh, for next year because of some other commitments that had already been made, uh, and because we moved some of that money forward into this year to try and push some of those projects. Wow. But what we will, but we will be able to uh, probably do some more. Probably commit some to water and sewer. Uh, because we have that huge consent decree out there that we're that we're struggling to get finished with, and uh, you know we'll we'll have some firm recommendations. This changes our the results of the of the audit change kind of what our approach to the 2024 budget was going to be, and that uh, we were probably going to. Uh, probably going to have a little bit of an of, of a uh year by deficit to use part of that reserve which now we can't do so the actual operating budget will have to be a little tighter than we anticipated and we're working on those proposals that really is something that will come into this month first part of september well i think police and fire should be top priority uh but you know what about like the I know there was some maintenance work done because there were some issues with the water towers, but don't. At what point are those going to need to be just completely overhauled and redone? Well, we actually have grant money and funds. Uh, we're 
Uh, I'm in the process of, of approving those final plans, so those are all going to be repaired and repainted. Mayor, I, I'm, I'm going to question your sleep habits right now, just because I'm a little worried. Um, <laughs> how well are you sleeping at night knowing that we gave a 13% pay raise, and the, the clock is now ticking on that, now even more so now that what you've told us about affording that. Um, is, is that disturbing your sleep? Uh, I sleep pretty well. <laughs> are you con- are you concerned about continuing to pay for that pay raise? Well, that that is a uh, that that is of course a challenge because that was uh, that was done with the anticipation of of using one some one time monies for that, and so maintaining that and uh, will be a challenge. But I uh, look, we're up to this challenge. Uh, I have a, I have a great chief administrative officer who really is a budget whiz, and I am very confident that we're going to be able to come up with budgets. We have great department heads who are looking seriously at ways they can deliver services more efficiently, and I am very confident that we're going to be able to handle this moving forward with whatever challenges face us. You're not going to like me asking you this, but is the budget whiz – that put this AARP money in the reserve gone? Well, we did make some changes in personnel. <laughs> he's, he's a politician, isn't he? <laughs> seen his first rodeo. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to request that audit because I want to take a look at the whole thing. I'm sure y'all will zap it right to me, huh? Yeah, actually, I have seen the results of the audit. I haven't seen the audit itself. I think it's now posted on the uh, legislative auditor's site. Yeah. And uh, as soon as soon as I physically have one, you certainly may have it, Aaron. All right, need some bathroom reading. Thank and you, it, Mayor. It, it, it will it will help you. It will it will help you sleep at night. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you. Help put you to sleep <laughs> is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Mayor Tom, thank you so much. Stay cool, please. I will. My pleasure. Thanks for having Uh me. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Okay. Look, I get this at home enough. I don't need you ignoring me also. I've been trying to talk to you for about eight minutes. What are you doing down there? I'm reading the audit of the city of Shreveport. And, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. And let me just say, um, here's what I'm thinking about right now. Wait, wait, isn't that the Price is Right yodeler about to jump off a cliff? Yeah, it's the cliffhanger gang game. Um, <laughs> Mike, it's not good. Oh, I'm only laughing to it's, keep from crying. It's, and, and again, I'm not a financial expert. But I'm looking at things like uh, sales tax revenues were up, but yes, that was from stimulus money. Um, that is going away. Um, we have moved. We, we don't have nearly the reserve we thought. We can't put the AARP money in the reserve. We have a 13... 13- is it AARP or ARP? ARP, excuse me. Did I say okay. AARP? Yeah, that's all right. You that's said a, it earlier with that's Tom. A, that's a group I'm in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, they're not getting a nickel of <laughs> no, mine. No, I know, I know. But I... But, you you have to the the increase in water and sewer rates that we phased in to pay for the the um, consent decree infrastructure work, right 
that those increases went away in 2022 that fed that phased out so now we're still going to be paying for that consent decree work we haven't kept up with the increases in the water and sewer rates nobody checked that tom's going to have to deal with that we didn't even talk to him about that because those incremental rate increases for water and sewer those ended in 2022 nobody addressed that and yet the price of the bond issue i mean of the uh, all the work we're having to do for the feds keeps going up but None of the work has been done yet. Is Not that correct? All, some of it has. We've, we're in phase two or three, so we're doing oh, okay. some of it. But we still. But the prices for everything keep going up. And now we're not. Yeah, we're looking at. Um, we're looking at. I'm looking at all these budget numbers, and it's too much in my brain. We're headed for that fiscal cliff like we have not seen before, and our total indebtedness. I don't even want to say the number because it's a B. It's wow. about a billion dollars in debt. Um, that the city of Shreveport has. Again, I've got to go through all this more. I'm going to get a finan- my own financial people to look at it. Um, I'm going to dig through it. We're headed for, it doesn't look good. It does not, yes, sales tax revenues are up, property tax revenues are up, but that's not guaranteed to continue when you've got people leaving. Well, we've got, right, we've got an out-migration problem. Yes, it, it is, um, it's a little bit of a problem, and I'm worried now. I'm, when I'm looking at the numbers, I'm like, you, yeah, you told us, uh, former Mayor Perkins and, and his crew told us we had $71 million in reserves. Nah, $40 million or so of that was ARP money that you can't put there. You're not allowed to put in that category. Right. So we have to take that out. So where is that $40 million and what can it be used for? It, there are a lot of things they can use it for, but it has not been spent yet. And you can't put it there until you've spent, you know, you, you can't, you have to spend it first. Now, there's going to come a time, as you heard Mayor Arsenault say, we have to spend it by the end of next year. So we've got to get moving on spending the money or the feds want it back. Well, I want a whole home generator for my house. Can they do that? Can yeah. they start a generator or a generator program? Thank you. Please. Okay, I'll ask the mayor for if that. If the commission can buy air conditioners for people, I want a whole home generator Generators, for my house. yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah. Let's go with that. Thank you. I'm just worried. I never thought I'd play yodel music on the radio, but there you go. Oh, Lord. Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser talks with us coming up at 8. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. The man with the best job in the world, in my opinion, Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser, going to be joining us coming up just after the break. A lot of activities that you can do to get out of the heat. We'll talk about that, Mike and McCarty. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. 1017 FM, 710 Keel. Mike and McCarty, and on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline this morning, Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser joining us. Good morning, Lieutenant Governor. Good morning, my friends. How you doing? We're doing very well, just trying to stay cool. Grateful we have an indoor job. Speaking of indoor, uh, one of my favorite attractions that Louisiana features is the World War II Museum, formerly the D-Day Museum. That's a great way for people to... Uh, spend a day or two indoors. What are some other attractions Louisiana offers indoors? Well, you know, we have, uh, under my office, we have nine state museums. 
but we also have 211 uh, total museums. And um, we just started on a venture. We bought the name LouisianaMuseums.com, and we're going around filming every museum in the state um, because we've got a lot of treasures that people don't know about. And they were given back, a lot of them from the Secretary of State's office to local government with no money to promote them over the years. So we're going to push these out through social media where people, if you have an interest, like in the World War II Museum, then you'll know about the General Chenault Museum in North Louisiana. So there's great treasures in every corner of the state, and we're going to use those treasures to drive people for tourism in every community around the state. And this is a project that uh, is going to be ongoing, but uh, we're excited about it because uh, everywhere I go, um, there's great museums you know, uh, that these kids in, in school are going to start taking field trips. We're going to be pushing out to the schools. And uh, and so people know about all these hidden treasures in Louisiana. We, of course, here got Norton. We've got the aquarium, Cyport, the State Museum. A lot of folks that, you know, you can, you can still go and, and enjoy a good day and not be in the heat. I'm curious, Billy, if, excuse me, Lieutenant Governor, golly, it's... Call me Billy. I know. <laughs> I, I'm wor- I'm wondering if this Louisiana heat does have an impact on our tourism a little bit. I mean, a lot of people don't want to go wander through the French Quarter or go out in the gardens of the American Rose Center when it's so darn hot. You got to worry about that a little bit, huh? We do. Uh, but I tell you, we've been watching the, the state parks is a good example. But we're still seeing record numbers at our state parks this summer. Um, the mountain bike trail at Bogachitta. Uh, we'll be cutting a ribbon there tomorrow with a new trail. Um, that place is is jam-packed every weekend. Um, we're still seeing people taking a horseback riding at that park. The cabins are filled up at all the parks, canoeing, fishing. So people, are, hopefully they're drinking a lot of water and they're, they're watching the heat, but they're still getting out and enjoying the parks. We've got several of those uh, water pads for kids to cool off. And, of course, several of our parks have beaches. So people can enjoy the water. So uh, it really hasn't affected uh, the parks at all. I'm sure the outdoor activities uh, have limited somewhat, but uh, we're still uh, we're climbing back out of this COVID. And I think this year uh, we may see another record in tourism in Louisiana. But if we'll be close to that 53 million plus we enjoyed in 2019, but if we don't break a record this year. Surely next year we will set another record for tourism. Mm-hmm. Talking with Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser. Billy, uh, we're gearing up for fall. Uh, kids going to be heading back to school, but uh, a lot of festivals going to be taking place. We've got the Red River Revel uh, going to be firing up here in October. Uh, one of our f- huge events, but there's uh, festivals all across the state for the fall, aren't there? Yeah, and I tell you, we don't give enough credit to those teams that put these festivals on. They don't get paid. They have a love and passion for their community, those fairs and festivals. And and we're, we've got a new plan to promote every one of them to make sure they all are very successful this year coming out of COVID. Um, they are a great tool in our toolbox. We're able to promote, especially when the airlines wasn't back 100%, the drive market of four or five states, every fair and festival, to make sure people know all these great things going on. A lot of states would love to have uh, 400 fairs and festivals to promote their state. We've got something going on in every corner of the state all the time, and that's a great tool in our toolbox that we use 
to get people to visit Louisiana. State fair here. You've got. I guess we have another state fair in um, Baton Rouge now. Is is which is back. Um, are state fairs still growing? Uh, we we have issues here with ours a little bit, but are state fairs growing across the country? Have you? And I know I didn't put this on my list of things to talk about, but I'm curious if you have any info. No, I tell you, the the ones that have been established, like here in Louisiana, uh, Nashville, and some of the other ones. I don't see we haven't I haven't seen anyone adding uh, a state fair, but some of them have been a tradition for many years um, that have continued and continue to see good turnout. And, um, you know, it's taken a couple years for a lot of these things to come back to what they once were after COVID. But I really believe uh, the two here in Louisiana with a little promotion can, can survive and do really well. And there again, it's another opportunity to bring people, especially in the drive market, in, into those communities and spend money. I got a question for you uh, from a listener who wants to know, um, are, do you want to pursue placing all 211 museums under the lieutenant governor's office? No, what we want to do is we want the new secretary of state to put his museums under one uh, operation. And we want to end up with three boards. A, 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 a museum board in Shreveport, one in Baton Rouge, one in New Orleans. The people in New Orleans do not care about Shreveport. We need a board, and then I will give up control of the director. That local museum board in Shreveport will elect their own director, and they will, the ones under the Secretary of State and Lieutenant Governor, will be under that board in Shreveport. And all of the museums in that region will be supported, um, uh, uh, marketing, and then we will also hope through the private-public partnership we're going to do at some of the museums, um, like a cafeteria in the Jazz Museum in New Orleans. We will generate funds that we can then support those local museums financially with some grants that are much needed because they don't get the funding they need. And, and we did a complete study uh, by an expert that's done this in other states. If we divide these three boards and we put the support group in place, all of these great museums can really prosper. They're great museums up in Shreveport. And, you know, look, the Secretary of State's got to worry about elections. He doesn't put enough time and effort, and, and nor does he have the time for that museum to be the best it could be and get the funding they need. If we put it under one board of great North Louisiana people, let them hire their own director, I believe we can make them the best they can be and support all of the museums in North Louisiana and through this new site of promoting the museums, uh, we will drive, and I believe we can really make every museum uh, have record numbers of visitation uh, because target marketing people's interest, this thing will really uh, take off. It's been done in other states. We just got to follow things that work. And um, a lot of people don't like change, but I've talked to the museum people in Shreveport. The uh, Secretary of State was a little hesitant for the last couple of years to do it. We're going to see a new Secretary of State, and uh, I'm visiting with all of the people running to make sure they want to do what's best for the museums. Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser, thank you for your time, sir. We appreciate it. Y'all have a great week. Thank Take care. you. Mm-hmm. 1017 FM, 710 Keel. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Trump's indicted. Did you watch all that? 
Give me a break. Mike, it, I, I, I can't, I cannot understand when I, when I recorded a show from CNN last night and I recorded a show on Fox last night and I wanted to see the difference. So I went back and forth. Fox is saying, it's not worth the paper it's printed on. It's, this is bogus charges. This is awful. What, what on earth are they doing? To CNN, it's the worst defense ever. I, I, I can't listen to any of that bullshnoggle anymore. Okay, especially when they're completely ignoring the sitting president of the United States where they now have evidence of his corruption, his whole thug family. I, it's just frustrating now to think you have to now do all the work yourself. If you want to find out the truth, you have to do the work yourself. And do I think Trump is squeaky clean? No. 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 You don't get to be a billionaire. I, 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 again, this is, I, I'm, I've been tainted by the years. Mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live had a skit a long time ago. And it was, and I forget who it was that was doing Ronald Reagan. And, and they were in the White House and they would bring a little Boy Scout. Hey, Billy, congratulations. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, we're so glad that uh, you sold the most, you know, cook, whatever. It right. Was. And the little boy would leave and then Reagan would go, okay, look, you some bitches. I'm going, I want you yeah, to get, we're exactly. going to we're going to do this. And mm-hmm. then, uh, Mr. Reagan, here's uh, the hundred, you know, oldest man. Well, hello, Mr. Thompson. It's so good. But then behind the scenes, he was completely different. Yes, exactly. And I thought, you know, there's probably a lot more truth to that as we're you laughing. Bet. Oh, yeah. Then, then, you know, and so, yeah, of course, stuff goes on. Uh, look at the, watch the movie Lincoln. The oh, Steven gosh. Spielberg yes. movie Lincoln. Absolutely. I was, I was surprised at the politics, I mm-hmm. say, parenthetically, politics that took place. Right. And so... You know, go, but but the outright blatant abuse of the DOJ and federal authorities had that have been. It, I hate to even say the word weaponized. It's just absurd. It really is, and and you know you we'll see what what happens within the Trump case. But my my whole concern now is. We don't know who to listen to, who to believe, who who yeah. who is really trying to present a fair picture of what's going on. It's not there anymore. It's just not there anymore. And that's all the I saw Matthew McConaughey on one of these talking shows and he said kind of what I've been saying all along. He said, "You have your two extreme groups and they get all the attention." He said, "But the vast majority of us are somewhere in the middle." And we're now starting to get angry. We're now starting to realize these two crazy groups on the far extremes are, are, shouldn't be controlling the show anymore. And we need to take better control. He sounded like he was running for office. He said probably not. But I thought, you know, he's hit the nail Did on the head. Did he entertain a run for governor at one point for he's Texas? Thought, he's thought about it. Yeah. He has thought about it. And, you know, could he do it? He probably could win. He probably could win. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> 101.7 FM, 7 